0: and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. My name is Will Kastogrow, and joining me in the studio today is Ms. Lisa Phillips. She is an RN and a case manager for Hospice of West NC. Ms. Lisa, how are you? I'm fine. Good. Thanks for coming in today to talk about Hospice Month. So yeah, November is Hospice Month. So tell me a little bit about hospice. What What is hospice?
1: Hospice is a service provided in homes for those... Uh, That have been deemed as terminal by physicians. Okay. Those that have been given a prognosis of possibly six months or less. The services we provide are services that promote comfort and dignity for patients at the end of life. We want people to die with dignity and comfortably die with respect. Die with those, hopefully, that are closest to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, promote a positive experience for the end of life.
0: Yeah. So you are a hospice nurse. But what exactly does a hospice nurse do? And I guess what's the difference between a hospice nurse and a nurse that would be in the hospital?
1: It's a very difficult question really to answer. It's one that I only figured out after 44 years of nursing. I've been <laughs> a nurse for 44 years now. Mm-hmm. I've been in hospice for 10 and a half. When I first came uh, into the hospice field, it was a difficult, it was a hard job really to mm-hmm. learn to Because you have to totally change your way of thinking. Your goals are totally changed. You don't look toward diagnosing and treating and making better. You look toward comfort. And a lot of times with comfort, that means giving up a lot of things that normally were uh, positive for people that were beneficial. Mm -hmm. You have to look in a different direction. For example, stopping certain meds that they've been taking for years that were beneficial for them. As your body starts to break down and things start to change, and as patients go through end of life, their needs change. So you have to give up certain medications. You also have to change your way of thinking as far as wanting to see doctors. They don't have to go into a doctor anymore whenever they experience a discomfort mm-hmm. because we take care of those needs at home.
0: Oh, okay. So they don't have to go to a doctor's They don't doctor's have to see a,
1: a doctor. We actually have doctors and nurse practitioners on our staff Okay, I didn't uh, know that. That we consult with and that we communicate very closely with after our visits. And they also can go out and see the patients if needed. Mm -hmm. All of our patients are actually seen by a physician or a nurse practitioner when they first come into hospice service and then periodically throughout the care they are seen as well.
0: Gotcha, okay. So do patients have to be at home to have hospice care or
1: no we we also provide hospice in nursing homes assisted living okay we have a few patients that are hospice patients in the hospital those patients are patients that cannot receive comfort care at home because it's not effective the things maybe that we're doing for the patient aren't effective at home Mm -hmm. so we have to take a more aggressive approach and they're hospitalized for a short time to provide that comfort for them
0: Gotcha. Okay. So how often do you see the patients? Uh, like, is it two or three times a day? Is it once normally, a day?
1: No, we. I normally see my patients weekly. As an RN case manager, we go out weekly to see our patients. Okay. But we do go more often if, if needed, particularly those patients that are experiencing changes, those that the family have, you know, high concerns about. Mm-hmm. Those that need extra teaching, extra support, and particularly those that are approaching end of life, we go more than once a week.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So you mentioned patients don't necessarily have to go see a doctor or sometimes their medications will stop. Do those medications uh, get replaced with morphine or...
1: Well, what I was, what I was referring to, most elderly patients that mm-hmm. are approaching death, they have been on like a lot of blood pressure medications or maybe blood thinners... Different medications that they've been on for years and years, and when we come into the picture, they may have to stop these because they don't, they no longer have need for it, mm-hmm. or the medication may be detrimental you know, to their safety or detrimental to uh, their strength. We want our patients to remain as independent as possible during the dying process. So, mm-hmm. for example, if someone's blood pressure starts to drop too low, it can make you feel really weak, really tired, mm-hmm. not have any energy, and you feel all wiped out. So we stop those medications, and it kind of helps them to rebound and have a better quality of life and be able to enjoy their days better. Yeah.
0: What if patients can't swallow pills anymore?
1: That's an issue that we were faced with a lot because families have a hard time letting go mm-hmm. of giving medications that, again, they have been on for years, the patient starts to have uh, difficulty swallowing as their body starts to weaken. They can't swallow effectively, so when they do swallow, it may go into the you know it go in the wrong place. It will no longer go in the stomach, it will start going into the lungs. Mm-hmm. and that can cause a lot of discomfort for the patient. So we educate the family on how to um, try to eliminate aspiration. That's what you refer to this as aspiration when it goes in the wrong place. Okay. You swallow. So we educate families on things to do to prevent the aspiration or to help them to swallow more effectively. And, yes, they do come to a point where they can't swallow at all. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of uh, support, emotional support, for the patient and family to understand they can't swallow anymore, so now it's really time to stop. Mm-hmm. That's a very defining moment. You know, sure. Whenever families uh, know that their family member is actively dying, mm-hmm. that's what we refer to it as. They're actively dying when then they're long, no longer able to take any any hydration or food or medications, mm-hmm. and uh, it does take a lot of support for them. We we teach uh, different methods when they start having difficulty swallowing, maybe they put their their pills in uh, the middle of some applesauce or pudding, okay. something that they can swallow more easily. And mm-hmm. then there's some medications that they can crush and put into medications and that will help them to swallow more easily too.
0: Gotcha. Say something happens while one of the nurse, nurses are not there. Uh, do you guys give your cell phone numbers to the families or is there like an office number that they call
1: into the office. Okay. We, have, we have on-call nurses that are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Okay. And they're, they will call into the office and the nurse will talk to them and instruct them on what to do, help them to educate what's going on with the patient, mm-hmm. where the patient is with their prognosis, maybe changes in the plan of care that are needed in order for them to provide uh, safe and effective care of that patient. And uh, they will go out and visit the patient if the visit is really needed. They will go out.
0: Gotcha. Being a hospice nurse, I know you guys see a lot of death a lot. So how, how are you able to, like, keep your mental health, your, your personal mental health in check? I'm obviously not a nurse, but if I was around that all the time, seeing death a lot would probably bring me down. So yeah. I, I guess my question yeah. is how, how are you able to cope with that?
1: I understand. Well, let me back up a minute, if you don't mind. Sure. When I uh, first became a nurse years and years ago, Mm -hmm. I saw patients receive a lot of treatment, a lot of medications, a lot of procedures that were totally unnecessary. And it would really bother me. It was a burden for me to see people that were dying or disabled people, Mm -hmm. with no quality of life being put through tests and procedures and medications that they really didn't need and were not going to benefit them. Mm -hmm. I saw people in my mind that were dying without dignity, and it was a burden for me. My mom and and I took care of my dad at home. Mm -hmm. He had uh, chronic lymphocytic leukemia. He had congestive heart failure. So my mom and I took care of him at home. And I had been a nurse for many years, and I thought, we can do this. Mm -hmm. I know I know all the aspects of care that he needs. I know that we can provide adequate care for him, so we did it by ourselves. And after a year, it was about a year, I guess, after my mom, um, after my dad had died, I'm sorry, about a year after my dad died, my mom, who had never been sick a day in her entire life, was diagnosed with end-stage lung cancer. Mm -hmm. That was a different situation. I had kids at home. I had you know jobs and i didn't really under- know how we were going to get through that sure so we got hospice for my mom and it was it was one of the best things that we had ever done and my eyes were truly open mm-hmm. to the benefits of hospice because my mom had physical needs she had emotional needs you know, mental needs, spiritual needs, and I, I had them as well. Of course, you know? absolutely. So hospice came in, and they were really able to help us to walk through those things. So I always kind of felt drawn toward hospice. Okay. Uh, I believe I was called. Uh, I think people go through things in their life so that they can help others absolutely. at some point. For sure. And uh, I got the job in hospice, um, and a couple of months after starting my job, my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer with metastasis to his liver. Oh, man. He was given a prognosis of three years at that time. Mm-hmm. So I know for sure there was a divine calling, because if it would have happened in the other order, I, w- I would never have, you know, come into hospice. Sure. Though. It was a very interesting couple of years. You know, I had to deal with death and dying um, at home. Mm-hmm. And also in my work, it was like 24-7. Right. And uh, so... I, I really had to call on a higher, a higher power for sure. sure to to be able to make it through that, and that's what I do now. I'm able to look at this as more of a ministry, mm-hmm. not a job. That's really what it is for me. It's more of a ministry. I think that's a great I get approach. Paid and I like that too. But, right, sure. <laughs> but uh, it is a ministry for me. Yeah. And I just feel like I have a lot to offer to help people through through the death and dying process.
0: Well, I'll say if I. If ever go through hospice care, I would love to have you as my hospice right, nurse. Right. So I hope you uh,
1: never do that. Don't ever call right, me.
0: Okay. Right, sure. <laughs> if I have to, I will. Yeah. So obviously you're not the only hospice nurse that Weston City Healthcare has. Um there's a team of you guys. So can you just kind of okay. brag on the team a little bit?
1: Oh yeah. All of the nurses and CNAs and office staff and social workers and bereavement coordinators and our chaplains, they're just awesome. Mm-hmm. They, Everyone's called. I feel like they are. This job is not for everyone. There's no way um, someone can come into this job without feeling, I think, a call for it. Sure. Uh, if they did, I don't think they would last long. Mm-hmm. I may be wrong about that. But um, they're all very compassionate and loving. We all work as a team. Each uh, patient after admission is assigned to a team. Okay. And the team is composed of RN, uh case manager a certified nursing assistant, a medical social worker, and a chaplain. And we all work together to take care of the needs of the patient. The patient's needs are so much broader than just physical needs. It does encompass, you know, the, the mental and emotional and the spiritual, as we talked about uh, earlier. But we take care of the patient as far our goal for patient care is symptom management. Mm-hmm. We try to focus in on pain, nausea, vomiting, incontinence, skin disorders, restlessness, there's just a wide, you know, wide array of things that we sure. we take care of. Between the social worker and the chaplain and the CNA and the RN, you know, we're able to do that a lot better. Some people have gifts in certain areas, and when you pull those together, it's just an amazing outcome.
0: And dream team. So I know you, right now you guys are doing fundraising and uh, are looking forward to the new hospice home that is plan to be built. What benefit is that going to bring West Tennessee in your opinion?
1: Oh, We have many patients that uh, need a hospice home. We have for years. There are those patients that don't have any caregivers. Mm-hmm. In order for hospice to be effective and really take care of the needs of the patient, they have to have someone that's going to step up at that time when they cannot administer their own medications, right. Or they won't be able to take care of their own personal needs. And there are many people who, who don't have any caregivers, they don't have any resources for you know nursing home placement. Mm-hmm. I know that there are hospice houses in Memphis and in the Nashville area, but nothing in between. So we should be able to provide a, a great service for you know our service area yeah. in West Tennessee.
0: I've seen some photos of the potential of how the building's going to look like, and everything I've seen looks amazing. So I'm, I'm excited for that to become a... a an actual thing here in, here in Everyone Jackson.
1: Everyone is, is very excited about that at, at hospice because we have seen the, the need for such a long time and a lot of our patients do have to go through the death and dying process alone or with very fragmented care. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking forward to this.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, thanks so much, Ms. Lisa, for coming in today. I really appreciate the conversation and uh, it was a pleasure to get to know you and know your story a little bit. So thanks for coming in. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of We Talk Health.